Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. The Old Testament reading for the Festival of the Holy Trinity is from Genesis chapters 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is from Acts chapter 2. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. 
Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite the congregation to stand for the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. In nine verses, Psalm 8 draws together the entire breadth of creation and the richness of salvation and turns them into one glorious song of praise. And this psalm, like so many of the psalms, is so rich in its language and its imagery and the depth of its theology We could spend quite a bit of time turning over each and every word and phrase, examining them for their individual beauty as well as their corporate praise. And that actually is one of the reasons we spoke the psalm twice already. You probably noticed in our response of reading a psalm at the beginning of worship, Pastor Harvala read the psalm according to the ESV translation, and you responded, or I should say we responded, with a number of paraphrased versions of the same psalm in order to draw out some of the meaning that is otherwise hidden in the more formal language of the ESV. And I'd encourage you, you might want to just have your order of service in front of you as we go through this psalm today. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look to your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man, that you care for him? As we contemplate the heavens, there is simply a response of awe. We have the luxury of seeing more of the night sky up here in northern Minnesota. But one of the things I really remember from canoeing in the Boundary Waters when I was in high school was the fantastic nighttime sky. Oh, and we even had stargazer Dwayne with us, who supposedly knew his constellations, but of course none of us could prove him wrong, because we didn't. But away from the light pollution, the stars provide an especially dazzling display of God's glory. And then as we have an opportunity to photograph them, like this photograph taken by Jacob Frank, we see even more majesty. This is a time exposure. We can't see this with our naked eye. We don't have the retention for it. 
But a double exposure of uh, eclipse, lunar eclipse, and then with a long exposure of the galaxy in the background. And as we see and think about the universe and its vastness, the grandeur of God is magnified. A couple of the numbers. It's about 240,000 miles to the moon. But it's 93 million miles to the sun. It's 200 billion miles to the edge of our solar system. I'm sorry, I have that wrong. must be 20 billion to the edge of our solar system. And at the widest part of its galaxy, the galaxy is about 100 million light years along. I've got that number so messed up. 20 million miles to the edge of our solar system, 100 million light years along. Then it's only a mere 2.3 million away, miles away to the nearest galaxy that's about our size, the Andromeda galaxy. And as we've had more and more longer and deeper looks into this universe, We've come to understand that even some of the things that we perceive as stars turn out to be galaxies of their own. When we start putting numbers to the galactic distances, they're actually really so large that they become essentially meaningless to us. As our understanding of the universe has grown, it ought to magnify the mystery and the majesty of God the Creator. And it's interesting that the psalmist says that this all is merely the work of God's fingers. He doesn't revel in the fact that this flows out of the will of God. He doesn't use the Old Testament phrase that's so common with his outstretched arm and mighty hand. No, the universe is just the work of his fingers. And we are just beginning to comprehend what that really means. Why would God create such an enormous universe? Well, the Bible never answers that question directly, but the psalm gives us a hint that it simply magnifies His glory. And as we think of the awesomeness of the One who created it all, we are also driven to contemplate our insignificance. As one author put it, commenting on these verses, God has made the universe essentially infinite in order to mercifully dwarf our self-image, to remind the human heart over and over again that he is only quite a little fellow in the wide world after all. You see, when we're born... We honestly believe we are the center of the universe. And it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of teaching to pry that understanding away from us and to reveal that we are simply part of a much, much, much larger picture. Now, sometimes people react to that realization with despair or with fear. But the heart of the psalm gives us this truth. God does care for us. Even though we are a mere speck in the universe and our place in the universe is shrinking all the time, yet we are the ones who have received special attention. After exalting God above all His creation and leading us to feel insignificant against the vast heavens, 
the psalmist exalts the human creature to the place just below the Creator. Yet, you have made Him little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned Him with glory and honor. You have given Him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under His feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. This right here is what it means to be created in the image of God as we heard in Genesis 1. That God has given mankind a unique place in this fantastic universe and especially on this magnificent earth. We are created to reflect God to His creation. We are created to participate in the ongoing creative work of God. We are created to care for creation. And there are so many different places we could go from here and our understanding of what it means to be stewards of God's creation, to be created in the image of God. But one of these things is the work of science. It's exactly here where science falls. It is to understand and to be a good steward of God's creation. The scientific endeavor is a good one. In fact, uh, there's a, a gentleman, and I, I just thought of this during the sermon hymn, so I'm, I'm, it's going to be a little rough here. Um, Carlos is the only name I can come up with. Uh, he is at the University of Iowa and Ames in their astronomy department, and he wrote this magnificent book that basically said, we know what we know about our universe because we are in an ideal place to observe the universe. We are, we are at the edge of our galaxy. If we were any deeper into the Milky Way, we wouldn't be able to even understand there's something outside of the Milky Way because it would be too bright. He said, isn't it astounding that what we know of the sun began because we can look at it with eclipses, because the moon happens to be the right size and the right distance to totally cover the sun sometimes. And he went on to talk about all of the incredible numbers that we understand, constants that we understand, that if they were off by minutia, all we could say is nothing would exist. We were created to be observers of the creation and of this vast universe of God. And it's not meant to be simply be applied for our selfish gain or for our creaturely comforts. But the endeavor of science is for the good of all of creation. See, in this dominion, this stewardship, this being created in the image of God, we also find the call that we are to care for the environment and not just use it up. We do need to be concerned about our actions, about our behaviors, and the impact that it has on the rest of the planet, and especially on the rest of God's creatures, because that is simply our role. And we can also roll this over into being able to, to call to remember that we are to care for each other, no matter our race or even creed. 
Why? Because we have all been created in the image of God. We are called to remember that human life has dignity simply because it is human life given by God, created by Him, and bearing His image. We are called to be concerned and care for the welfare of others because it's from one man that God made the men of the earth and all mankind spread out according to the times and places that God saw fit. But here's the rub. In these words about our created world and our place in it, we are also convicted because it is clear that we have not always fulfilled the purpose for which we have been created. We don't instinctively bestow dignity on all of humanity. We don't care about creation the way we should. We tend to think of ourselves first and foremost and forget the rest of creation. And because we think we know so much, we think we've done away with God. We act as if He was only an explanation for those things we didn't understand instead of worshiping Him and behaving as if He is the Creator of great majesty and power who the Scripture confesses still holds all things together. Like Adam and Eve, we are not willing to take our place of position as little less than God. Oh, no, no. We want to be the real deal. And therein lies the core of our rebellion. And it's also exactly where this psalm takes on its deeper meaning. Because this psalm is not just a song of praise for God's creative majesty, for His creating mankind for a special purpose. The psalm actually also anticipates something that none of us would ever have expected. It anticipates the incarnation. We hear the word dominion and we hear domination. But that's not all that it means. In fact, that's not what it primarily means. If we were God, if we had full dominion over everything, most likely our response to the rebellion of Adam and Eve would be take a big stick to them. But the Creator does something different. He does something totally unique. He does something that we would never think of. He begins the renewal of His creation. He bridges the gap of our rebellion from the inside out. The one who, by his very nature, exceeds the universe, chooses to become a baby. The one who, by nature, is Lord over the angels, becomes little lower than the angels as an infant, babbling away. And he is the second Adam, as we sang of in our hymn of praise. He is the second Adam who lived in an obedient relationship to God. He didn't consider the glory of God something to be grasped or robbed or clung to, but in humility, he lived as one of us. And in humility, he was willing to face injustice. In humility, the Creator in the flesh was willing to be falsely accused of crimes he never committed. In humility, he allows soldiers 
to nail him to a cross to kill him. And in the body of his humanity, he bore the hell and the death that we deserve by our rebellion. And in a glory that is far greater than all the stars of heaven, his body rose victorious over sin. Victorious over the corruption of creation. Victorious over death. Victorious over the devil. And he was again crowned with the glory and honor that was his from the very beginning. And he shares that glory and honor with us. That's the final beauty of the psalm. Not only is our God a great, powerful, creative, creating God, he is also a God who cares for us fully demonstrated when His infinite power and His infinite love met at the cross for us rebels to reconcile us to Himself. And the story isn't over. There is one more thing to come, and that is Jesus Himself. And when He comes again, we will be able to sing these praises as we have never sung them before. And certainly, we will praise God. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all of the earth. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.